Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Hey there, we're riffing on the word empowerment for 2020, and we're now on W. W. And W for me represented wonder. Being in a state of wonder or awe and, and kind of finding or refining your sense of innocence. So do you have a sense of wonder or innocence in your life? And what would it take for you to experience it on a regular basis? So to kind of begin to investigate that for the next few weeks, it's really fun, actually, to move yourself into a state of wonder and discover your innocence. And meanwhile, get Live an Empowered Life, a 30-day journey book. Do the work in there. There is a section on wonder. And be supported in how you are going to live 2020 from a place of empowerment. And here's our show. Here we are for another chat with Susan Burrell. And I'm excited to introduce this amazing man because he's got a story that I found to be very powerful and provocative. And you'll hear why. And then he's got um, a solution of how things unfolded and he dealt with what his story is. So um, without much further Ado, I want to welcome Jeff Everidge. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited because uh, when we met, you had shared your your journey because it sounds like a huge honking journey um, from being a Marine to coming back and dealing with the fallout of having been in action and everything. So would, would you please share with everybody what your experience was and how you got to where you are now? Because now, wait, hold on. Wait, yeah. I have to say, everybody, you have to go to Jeff's website, Jeff Everage, E-V-E-R-A-G-E.com, because <clears throat> this man has not only conquered what he's about to tell us, he's, he's made an incredible life for himself and he serves others as well. So I'm just saying that up front. We'll talk about it later, Jeff, but please share your story. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm, um, I'm very, uh, you put me in really good company by calling me a Marine, but I was a Navy SEAL. Navy SEAL. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, it's different. Which, it's a little different. <laughs> Not much. Okay. I apologize. I'll roll my eyes for you. Yeah. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> it's a girl yeah, thing. And yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, there's a bigger, you know, there's a bigger journey, right? And like so many, uh, so many people just in general. And, you know, as I learned many Navy SEALs and, and Marines as well, you know, I had a fairly rough childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so really starting there, I think is kind of, uh, it's, it's probably an important place to start because it puts everything in context. And when I was in ninth grade, my father, he killed my mother. Oh, honey. Yeah. And he hid the body for months. Yeah. And I quickly became, you know, I, I, my picture wasn't in the national choir. This is back in the eighties, early eighties. 
for the internet. But uh, my family, you know, was the subject of National Enquirer mm -hmm. uh, articles. We were in CNN. We, um, or what was CNN back then? I guess it was, you know, the cable news had just started. So we were right. one of the first, you know, one of the first families that was exposed to the entire nation, heck, maybe the entire world. And, right. um, and you know, what, what came from that was uh, a lot of shame. You know, it was, I guess you could say it was transitive. I was ashamed to be from the family I was from. And what I did at that point on is I figured out a way to cope, which was to achieve. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and lots of people do that. That becomes... Yeah, you know, people that are overachievers, um, there generally is something there. It's built on shame and not necessarily mm. um, pride or you know yeah. proving yourself to prove yourself being of value and being of worth. Yeah, I think you know, and I think there's a, a, being valuable, being worthy. All those things were were, were a big part of this as well. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, and so I. You know, it's a brilliant coping mechanism. Yeah, you know, I I didn't become an, an alcoholic or a drug addict or, uh, you know, didn't fail out of school. In fact, I made straight A's and I got into the Naval Academy, uh, which was really quite good for me as far as the structure and the discipline. And then I became a Navy SEAL and um, beyond and, and served in, in Iraq in 03. I was a reservist then. I was in, a, in Qatar and then Iraq. And mm -hmm. then once I came back, I got out of the military completely and started a company and it was successful. And then I started another company and it was a total complete disaster and a failure. And what I, uh, and, and in the middle of that, I would work for PricewaterhouseCoopers and Booz Allen Hamilton as, you know, as just this, this aggressive after a guy. And there's this point that I just so remember, I was sitting in front of the computer and I was looking at the, cause this, the company had failed and then the great financial crisis happened. And my, I remember my kids were fighting crazy. My, my uh, relationship with my wife was like, totally estranged. Yeah. I was faking to all my friends because I couldn't bear the fact to tell them that things were really bad for me. Yeah. So they were, they were wondering what was going on, but I was such a good faker that they didn't actually come and ask me. And, and yeah, so I didn't have anyone to share with. And I was running out of money. Like it was like every possible, really bad, stressful thing was happening all at once. And I remember just being frozen. I would just like, like a, I'd just be staring into space. And so this is a guy who was a Navy SEAL before. Yeah. And I was literally taken down to like this core place of, of inaction. Right. Yeah. And at some point I realized I needed just straight up medical care because I didn't have insurance from companies anymore. And so I, I do have a disability rating with the, the military. So I, I rate some medical care from it. So I went to the VA and I said, Hey, it's, you know, I'd like to sign up for medical care. And they gave me a questionnaire and around, and this is another vivid memory I have around page three of that questionnaire halfway down was the question, do you feel depressed? And it gave four or five responses from none of the time to all the time. And, you know, I'm about to do it now. And, and, and I did it then is I like, I, I, I teared up and I was like, I can't lie about this anymore. And so I get all the time, you know, just that one moment of courage to let someone know, even if it's just a questionnaire, never reads a questionnaire, right. Set me off in a different tra trajectory. And, uh -huh. you know, and thank God that the VA was there for me.
because I turned it over to the, to the guy, uh, you know, who was taking the questionnaire and he, and he just said, okay, sit down, Mr. Everidge, hang on a second. And he looks at the first page and the second page and the third page. And he reached halfway down and he stops. He looks up at me, looks down again. He goes, Mr. Everidge, if I leave, will you stay right there, please? Wow. You know? And what triggered was a very, very clear process to get me to be screened right away. And so I was like, yeah, I'll be here. He goes back, he does a phone call, comes in, hey, they're waiting for you on the fifth floor. If you, you just, you know where the elevators are, would you like me to escort you there? No, I'm totally good, I will go to the fifth floor. Okay, they're waiting for you, sir, please, you know, go ahead. And at that point, I entered into the VA system for depression. Yeah. And they taught me a ton, but it was that, you know, really, I think the, the message that I want to get out is that it was, there's this point where I just owned it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots I do to stay out of depression, but I had to own it first. Yeah. I, you know, Jeff, I, I remember when I was dealing with depression on and off uh, before my son was born, because I wasn't admitting that I was in a marriage that I, I didn't, I wasn't happy in, you know? Mm. And then when my son hit, there was this hormonal shift mm-hmm. when he was born and I went into a dark hole. And um, the only person that really knew about it was my close friend because she called me every day to make sure I was okay and the baby was okay because my husband worked nights. And so um, it, it does take, I hear what you're saying, it takes admitting it to yourself and then having at least one person be mm-hmm. kind of like your, your witness of seeing, yes, you are. And now we can do something. But when you're, when, when human beings are in denial of whatever emotionally is going on, um, it just amps up, right? It piles yeah. on and amps up a- until you are under, you know, a ton of rocks and it's so hard to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was my saving grace back when I was a kid that, you know, that really love for achievement and really going for it became what killed me in the end. Yeah. Because yeah. I couldn't bear to have people know that I had failed or been a failure or was a failure or whatever that was that had me be so depressed. Um, yeah. And so that started a journey. And that was, um, you know, it was 15 years ago, 16 years ago. And I, um, since then, I haven't, knock on wood, had a single big episode of depression, but I get depressed every once in a while. I know it. I can tell people about it. Uh, I tell my children. I told my family. And it turns out that a lot of folks in my family had depression. They weren't yeah. telling anybody either. I know. know. Isn't <laughs> that amazing? It, it, can, yeah. it can run in, in families. That, mm-hmm. My mother couldn't remember that she was postpartumly whacked. You know, until like my son was 15, I'm like, mom, you could have told me. It would have saved yeah. so much grief. I would have felt more normal. Right. <laughs> I know. I would have said, oh, this is happening, right? And so yeah. I talk about depression with my children all the time. And just that act of being able to own it, mm-hmm. not make it other people's problem, right? right? Not, be, uh, not be the victim of it, but to mm-hmm. own it and to say, all right. Hey, this runs in my family. This is something I'm susceptible to. This is uh, something, no, a place I never want to be again, ever, ever, ever. And then using the roles I'm in 
to really give me the courage and strength to always be moving forward into more of a well-being and a thriving state. So a thriving I, state. Yeah, I need to avoid. Uh, I need to know and teach my children how to manage and eventually move beyond depression and to thrive as to be a good father. Right. right? That's part of my role as a father. It um, absolutely is. As a good friend, I need to be there and listen to other people and listen for the cues of depression and mm-hmm. look for it in them and then talk to them and tell them not not what I think of them, but tell them my story. So if they relate to it, then they'll they'll open up. If they don't relate, then I'll, you know, then I yes. miss the cue. Right. Those are those are probably the most important and most impactful things that I do to maintain my well-being and my thriving and keep and keep me moving forward, not from this place of defending shame, right, or, or going, uh, not, you know, countering shame, but instead to just be the best father, the best business owner, the best Wim Hof instructor, which we're going to mm-hmm. talk about a little bit, the, uh, mm-hmm. like the best of me so I can have impact on other people because as it turns out, with depression, if you impact other people in a positive way, it's like a massive safeguard against depression. Yes. Yeah, and why is that, Jeff? Why is that? <laughs> I have a, an idea, but. No, I, I think maybe you should tell me. No one's ever asked me why. I think it's intuitive, obvious, intuitively, intuitive, intuitively, intuitively obvious. Sorry about that. Yes, that's but, good. Yeah. But I think it probably has something to do with the fact that we are all connected. Yes. And it really, it's the outward indicator of that connection. Yes, I would agree with you. And, and the, in sharing your story about depression, like it's kind of like a, a leveler as well, right? And then mm-hmm. people, can, people can see you not as the overachiever, but someone just like me going through something similar to me. Right. And, and so then you're more uh, approachable, Mm-hmm. And you're being transparent. And mm-hmm. I think with uh, we're recording right now during the COVID isolation thing, which yeah. is probably making lots of people depressed, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in, in that becoming transparent and recognizing that we're all connected, hopefully when we are all able to leave our homes again and interact with each other out in the world, there is a... a a deeper awareness of that connection. I'm just saying that out loud for everybody, Jeff. But, mm-hmm. but yes, and I think that in, in sharing our stories of wounding or depression or, you know, you got a pretty powerful story, mm-hmm. um, then it helps people that have their stories to begin to investig- investigate if they want to keep carrying it around. You know? Yeah. 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 And Brene Brown, um, I'm sure you're familiar with some of her work. She yes. said that if you speak to shame, if you say this is what's happened, shame diminishes. It, it, mm-hmm. it, the, the hold it has on us becomes smaller and smaller. The more we say, this is what happened. This is why I feel ashamed. This is you know, who I am. And, and then it doesn't control us as much as... Um, when we were just dealing with it and didn't know how to deal with shame. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The more I, the more I talk about my story and how, you know, in, in my transformation in that story, the more people share with me, the more I realize that everybody's got one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And only the lucky of us don't have that. And yeah, I, uh, 
I couldn't agree with you more. It's so that's it, the, the power of it, owning it and then sharing it. And then I also had this extra little piece, which is if you like, so I, I know what depression looks and feels like. Uh, you could say I'm a, I'm a non-certified expert in depression, if you will. And so I notice when other people yeah. give those signals. And so the third part of this, I think, is also contributing to other people's lives and avoiding or noticing or acknowledging, you know, that part of it too is really important because that's something, something else that in our culture, we don't tend to, uh, we don't tend to act that way, even with our friends, right? We no. tend to like, let, let those things go when really it's our action, even just checking in yeah. can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. And you're modeling that for your kids, Jeff, is, mm. you know, it is, it's very important. And when I think about my son and he has lots of stress and nothing, well, there's, there's some shame in, in his, our background, but um, he does the, oh no, it's good. I'm good. I'm fine. It's okay. You know, and I don't know if that's a guy thing or just, you know, I'm achieving and no, it's good. I, Cause I'm just going to get through it kind of thing. I, you know, I don't know. Cause I, I used to go, Oh no, it's good. You know, look, mm -hmm. look at all I'm doing, yeah. you know, as I'm doing my tap dance and, you know, keeping everybody distracted from what was really going on. Yeah. Um, so I, it's good to model it for your kids. Exactly. And that's why I usually just share my story. Mm -hmm. I don't say, Hey, you look depressed. I go, Hey, you know, is anything going on? Is it, you know, like ask some leading questions and then I, you know, roll into, this is what you remind me of right now. Mm. Me, mm -hmm. I was. So I, yeah, I think there's, I think culturally in the US, particularly, we have this strong need to have it together, to be right, yeah. to, to know it all. You know, yeah. that's just, that just doesn't happen. And we also, uh, while there is a lot less stigma around getting help or having therapy or, you know, we're way quicker to tell people that are in gossip, talk about other people and saying they need to go to therapist than to actually take that action ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. I, I am really beginning to try and focus my mind on uh, a new beginning, right? Mm. Because I really think, and this is my opinion, Jeff, and I tell my opinion all the time on this show, but... <laughs> But I really think that the, uh, the way everyone has lived life globally and personally up until now no longer works. I mean, I think we're just sitting there facing all the things that don't work, whether it's economy or politics or national stuff or personal stuff. It, it, this is the time to kind of wake up and go, wow, I, I can take action that brings me into a place of thriving and feeling healthy and well, as opposed to going back out and doing the same, uh, crap mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that we were doing before we went into isolation. And, and clearly this stop or this pause as people like to call it is so we can all wake up and go, wow, what that, all that doesn't work anymore. All, all that stuff is, is falling away, crumbling, and we get to come out and, and co-create together a new way to interface with each other, a new way to do business that we, we haven't seen before because we're going to get to make that part up. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, I'm hoping 
that one of the big lessons that comes out of the COVID crisis and the pause is that people get really clear on what they actually need. Yeah. You know, and, or what's really important, but I agree with you. I, so it, it, the, the problem with the human body and brain is it's so malleable and it's so freaking resilient up and until it's not right. Right. So things don't, things are, things are like not really working, but it feels like the status quo is still something we're really compelled to, to stay with, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's not working and not working and not working. And then all of a sudden you're Jeff Everidge looking at a computer, like paralyzed. Right. 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 Like it's, it's, yeah. it's a, it's almost a cliff and it is a cliff. Yeah, it is. Right. And, and what I'm, you know, anyone that's listening to this, you can anticipate the cliff. You can look up ahead and go, Oh, there's a cliff up there. Like you can, you can check your weight and go, you know, I'm becoming a beast. Right. Or you can realize that you can't, that you, you can't keep up with your children anymore. And you go, I'm out of shape now, but that's just the, that's the easy stuff, the physical stuff that everybody mm-hmm. kind of knows already. But then you can look at your mental well being and you can say, you know, I, I've been chasing this, whatever this materialistic thing is or whatever the status is. And it's kind of taken over. And I, you know, I don't really know my family anymore and I don't, I work too much and I don't know what I'm doing with doing anymore. And now I'm at home and I'm with my family and maybe I like this better. Yeah. 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 There's so much, but unfortunately I think most of us have to hit the cliff. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I, I don't know why we're made that way. Um, it's like that road runner, right? The road road runner and Wiley Coyote. And Wiley Coyote goes off the cliff and then he realizes that there's nothing below. Yeah, right? right. And and it's uh because and and I totally agree. I it, it happened to me. It's happened to me a few times where I just ran right off that cliff. Um one time was when I was I became a type one diabetic seemingly overnight and um, was hospitalized, almost died, blah, 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 my story. But it was a result of being, of being, of not really owning that I was unhappy in my marriage and I was doing everything to make it work. You know, there, there's an overachiever, right? Let me make it work. Let me make it work. Let me make it. Well, it, if it's not working, it's not working. Right. And it took me becoming diabetic, uh, of course, then I ignored that it still wasn't working. I stayed another 10, 20 years. But um, it, it is, don't ever, anybody don't do that. Just don't do that. If you're not happy, just <laughs> don't, don't do what I did. But it, woke, but it woke me up to a deeper realization that I needed to connect within myself. I needed uh, to really um, begin to find that essence, that truth, that lives within me all the time. And that's when my spiritual practice deepened and, um, and expanded in so many ways. Um, so, you know, yeah, yes. we're fa- we, it does feel like you're kind of at the edge of that cliff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we got to do that. It is, that, that's the wake up call. Do I step mm-hmm. off or do I step back? And do I change within, change within? And sometimes all the other stuff has to fall away first, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had a business that failed. Sometimes it has to fall away so that better things can come. Yeah. So maybe the COVID crisis has had everything fall away for some people. And when they get back, they go, hmm, maybe yeah. I didn't need all that. 
maybe I don't need all that. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Cool. So Jeff, I want you to talk, tell, share with everybody um, the Wim Hof method that you have found to be really helpful. Because I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful for many, many people, not just veterans. Yes, for sure. Um, so yeah, so in my journey of moving from what I called, you know, moving from depression to what I called depression proof. Mm-hmm. So depression proof means I'll never get depressed again, but it doesn't mean I'm thriving. It just means right. right in the middle, right, to thriving, right? So I did a lot of things to become depression proof. And that's where mindfulness and mantra and um, uh, like uh, gratitude journals, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, just keeping me focused on the good, super important. But then I decided, okay, let's take it, take it the next step. What else can I find? And one of the things that I literally stumbled upon uh, was uh, the Wim Hof method. So Wim Hof is a man. Uh, from the Netherlands, who has 28 world records, including being in an ice bath for uh, the longest of anyone without his core temperature going down. And that's, uh, but he has a bunch of different, really amazing feats that he's done. Uh, and he's a very charismatic, really awesome guy. Just, just love him to death. And he developed this method that has tremendous health benefits. And I ended up in a workshop because a friend invited me to this uh-huh. workshop. And I literally, I'm like, I'm at the workshop and I, and, and I, I signed up for it, but I didn't really look into it until the day before. And that's when I found out I had to get an ice bath. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. You know, do I bring my wetsuit? And you know, it's so funny. I was a Navy SEAL. I know how to endure the cold, but the funny thing about the cold, what you learn in Navy SEAL training, because in Navy SEAL training, you get really cold quite frequently. And what you learn in Navy SEAL training is the body's reaction to the cold is to have basal constriction. Uh-huh. So, you know, that brings blood into the core, but that vasal constriction also can, can eventually constrict some of the muscles in your back and your legs and your arms. And you just became, you become operationally unsound. The colder you get, the less operationally sound you are. It even impacts your thinking if you get cold enough and then you get hypothermia and then you're endangering your life, right? And right. So, the, um, so, I, so I get there having lived the life where I avoided the cold with great gear great wetsuits for surfing, great, you know, Gucci Arteryx gear for skiing. My kids had the best stuff. Like I just, you know, that's just, that's just the way we rolled. We were ready for the cold because I, from training had done that. And so when I had to, what was really funny is when I had to face the ice bath, I mean, first we did the breathing and I made the breathing a big competition <laughs> of course <laughs> because you, you hold your breath at the end, you hold your breath. And I, I tried to hold my breath as long as I could. And Being an ex Navy SEAL, I'm sure you were trained to do that as well. Yeah, I wanted to be the one that held the longest because everyone in the room, they everyone knew me and they knew I was a Navy SEAL and I just had to be the best, right? Because this is what my brain does in these situations. And so, um, and so, yeah, so we went through the breathing and I actually learned, you know, I kind of went into a panic about not holding my breath long enough. And it was like I learned something about myself. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? Wow. I didn't yeah. Just relax and do the breathing. And then we go to the ice bath and everyone points to me and goes, Jeff goes first. He was a Navy SEAL. And I'm like, and I knew it in my head. I was like, I'm going to have to go first. I was a Navy SEAL. <laughs> and, and the instructor goes, Jeff, you know, I'll hold your hands and you can just like ease yourself in and just, we'll just do the breathing and that'll help. And, um, and I'm like, or, and then she said, or you could just get in. It's up to you, but I can support you. And she held her hands out and I grabbed her hands. 
because <laughs> I was like, I was grabbing for anything. And I get in and I'm like, <laughs> that's what happens when you get ice pack. Right. <laughs> and I'm like looking like it's death. <laughs> and all everyone is looking at me like, whoa. Yeah, I <laughs> you know? And I get in and it finally, and she's like, Jeff's calm, breathe with me, breathe with me, breathe with me, calm, calm, calm. And finally, it's like, and I finally got my breath under control. And I felt what happens when you're in ice bath a certain amount of time is, uh, is your body reacts by giving you norepinephrine. So it's a type uh -huh. of adrenaline that yeah. hits your brain. And that hits, that makes you calm, calmer. And it actually lowers your heart rate. It's called the mammalian reflex. Really? And it does those things, that calmness, that clarity of thinking, that lowered heart rate. It does those things to give you, and it gives you energy. It's adrenaline. It gives you energy, but calm energy so that you can figure your way out of the ice bath, right? It's a very prehistoric reaction to a contrived situation, uh -huh. right? Because you, know, uh -huh. you can't tell your body, hey, this is just going to be 90 seconds. Your body goes, I'm in ice. I have to get out. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, I, I was like, I, I, I was, I got out and I'm like, wow, I feel really good right now. And then the next guy gets in, he's like, I don't see what the big deal is. And he just jumps in. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? Wow. I just got schooled. So I, I figured I need to learn more about this. And I went on a journey because that's what that's I, Susan. I, I suspect we're kindred spirits in this. We just, you know, we, we learned something like, everywhere, man. Yeah. I'm going to go this direction. Right. So I, what I, uh, I ended up going through the Wim Hof instructor uh, curriculum, ending at a week in Mount Hood and uh, the week instructor course. And it was, I, I want to say there was like 40 people uh -huh. and roughly 12 of us were veterans. Wow. Yeah. And I was expecting the tree hugger hair, airy fairy. Like I was expecting yeah. people that weren't super serious about healing but talked, you know, talk healing. No, these were people that were serious about healing. There are people that were either prior military that saw the benefit for PTSD or depression. Um, there are people that were, had, you know, had family members of themselves had cancer and they use the breathing, the ice to deal with chemotherapy and get out of it quicker. The, uh, Lyme's disease, uh, um, all sorts of autoimmune disease, people with those that had transformed their lives using the method. And so I realized I'm on, this is, this is more than just me figuring it out for myself, right? This is me with something to teach. Yes. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I came back and I literally immediately taught some friends and I started, the first thing I did was I announced on a couple of groups I'm on, Hey, if you're in San Diego and you want to learn this, this is what's done for me. This is what done for our veterans. You're it's on me. Come to my, come to my course uh, for free. I put it on the Wim Hof website. People just started showing up. Uh -huh. And the more I taught, the more I contributed to others, the more I could tell my depression story as well, right? right. The better I be like the more thriving I became, the more excited I became, the more passionate I was. And it was just this, 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 this really, this amazing um, process for me to learn something and to, and to give it. And I just, you know, you have mainly uh, female listeners, correct, mm -hmm. Susan? Yeah. Right. And I, I can tell you that a lot of times women tell me that's a guy thing and it is not. It's not. It's not. Mm -mm. Yeah. And I have supported and guided men, women, couples uh, of all ages, all um, politics, all <laughs> like it is agnostic to everything because mm -hmm. what you're getting from this four hour workshop is 
you're getting insight into what feeling really, really energized and healthy and strong and happy is because people leave that workshop, big smiles. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And that is at that, what you just described, Jeff is, is, um, human beings thrive when they're in connection and, and when we feel like we are able to contribute to someone else, you know, it's not about necessarily taking care of someone else, but contribution, connection, Mm -hmm. and collaboration are, I think, key phrases going out of this COVID thing, because that's how humanity thrives, is through that connection. And, um, and it's, it's being of service. You were of service to the country, but now you're being of service to uh, your fellow veterans and to humanity, I gotta say. And that's way bigger, way bigger. And, and it's what the, um, what the soul uh, yearns for, right? Which is why we come on planet Earth is to be, this is my opinion again, Jeff, but to be um, awake and aware so we can be of service to each other and lift each other up. And, um, and there's so many ways to do that. And I am, I am hugely impressed with your journey and that, that you are thriving and not just surviving and that you're, you're happy. I can tell, I can feel your energy is just happier, um, than I didn't know you before, but I remember when I met you, I was astounded that you had the story you had because you, you emanate health and well-being. You do. I'm not making that up. And, um, and it's because of all this work that you've done. You know, I got to say, Jeff, I'm hearing a book. There's a book. There's a book (laughs) coming somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Because your, your story is, is, and this, and this journey that you've been on is, is powerful. And there's so many people that I'm, I know you're making a difference in their, in their life, in their world by teaching this method. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Susan. I appreciate that you're word of welcome. confidence. Yeah. And the observations. It you're means welcome. a lot to me. Oh, well. I'm maybe not as friendly as you are in the way I see myself all the time, you know. Okay. Hello. <laughs> yeah. I have a mirror yeah. too. I look at it <laughs> and I say not so nice things sometimes to it's myself. Just, it's just always nice to hear it. <laughs> yes, it is. Because acknowledgement is part of what helps us thrive, right? Yeah. Being yeah. seen and being heard is what is part of the human condition. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to overachieve to be seen and heard. Right. And that that connection, that level of connection that comes out of this experience of the breathing in the ice bath uh, that I get with people and they get with me is definitely, like you said, it's that, un- it's that underpinning yeah. of how, how we all feel at the end. Yeah. And what's really interesting about the ice bath too, is that once you're in a group and you're like, you're gathering around the ice bath and you realize that you're, everyone's going to do it. Like you're all in it together. Yeah, we're all in this COVID thing together, aren't we? Right. Right. Yeah. It's like we have an ice bath of COVID virus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually hearing the next time you do a workshop down where you are, um, I might have to go. I'm not I'm, <laughs> I hope I'm so excited soon. about it, Jeff, but I'm thinking I might have to show up. Yeah. 
I would so, love that. I so would love that. I would. So where so if people want to come when you do workshops, where where can they find like where your next workshops are? Yeah, so the best place to go is uh there's two things. One is I'm in San Diego, California, mm-hmm. and I would love for everyone to travel far and wide to come do my workshops, right? But if you want to know where my when my workshops are, it's jeffeverage.com. That's a J E F F and it's like leverage without the L. Uh, okay. and and in there you can there's a really like a Wim Hof link you hit that and you'll see my upcoming workshops. Unfortunately, there aren't any right now. I had to cancel uh, yeah. them all, hmm. you know, yeah. but I'm, I'm at the point where I'm going to start planning mid and late summer ones uh, with, you know, with a reasonable amount of certainty that we're, they will actually happen. So I'm going to yeah. put them on the calendar. I'll probably have them on the calendar in the next four or five days. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's one thing you can do. The other thing is you can go to Wim Hof method.com W I M H O F method.com. And you can look for a workshop in your area or close to you. Cool. That's really yeah. cool. Jeff, thank you so much for, well, first of all, thank you for um, surviving and then thriving now. And um, thank you for your service um, as a SEAL, but also for your service that you're doing right now for your fellow veterans and, and all who come to work with you. I'm, I'm very appreciative of the work that you do. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Susan. Thank you. I really yeah. appreciate the Thanks for joining me today. So I'm going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.